Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. He didn't bring me, he just posted all over Facebook that he ate at Bojangles. And so there you go. Turnabout's fair play, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So, um, well, this morning uh, we want to start a new series. Uh, and next week we go back to two services for a couple weeks, and then we have our nine-year anniversary. So next week we'll be back in the two-service set. So, uh, so some of the folks you're sitting next to right now, you won't ever see them again for months. So just uh, you can love on them after service. I'm convinced it's probably... Um, the single most important word in the English language. I'm also convinced that although it is that important, we also have this tendency because we uh, overuse it and misuse it uh, and we fail to reserve it, we oftentimes don't stop to think about the responsibilities that the word carries with it. Uh, so, therefore, because we continue to misuse, overuse, misunderstand, throw it around, we, we have lo- almost lost the importance that comes with this word. We trivialize it uh, by, by, trivialize it by um, using it like this. Here we go. I love pizza. Well, then why don't you marry it? No, that's great school. Okay. Uh, I love basketball. I, I, I love cold weather. And it's 101. And, and we throw it around. I, I love steak. That one's probably true, but, but, uh, but this word that inside of the, the concept of love is the highest level of emotion. There's this idea of commitment that comes with that word. Uh, there's, there's this esteem that is involved in it. And so we throw that word around on, and we use it for things and sometimes even people and don't ever really stop to think what we're saying. And so the word has been abused. Um, But for all of its misuse and for all of its dumbing down, if you will, when I stop and think about this thing that we call church, it's still the one word that best describes how I feel about our church. It's the the best word I know to use to, to describe how I feel about the ragtag, flawed, come on now, don't shut me down, diverse, difficult, distracted, misfit, beautiful, caring, powerful, incomparable, influential church. It's how I feel. It's the word. I love my church. Not in that glib 
without any thought for the commitment or the emotional tie that we use when we're talking about I love hot dogs, I, I love baseball, I love, I love, I love what it, no, it's the best word that describes the commitment and the emotion and the esteem that I have for the body. Here's the problem. For some of you, uh, that statement seems foreign. For me to say, I love the church, that statement may seem foreign to you, or maybe even if I asked you to say it, if I was to stop and say, okay, on the count of three, we're going to say, everybody can say, I love my church. For some of you, that would be forced. You enjoy church. You choose and perhaps even go out of your way to attend church. You involve yourself at some level, but, but love? You are, you're asking me to come to this place in my own experience where I could say, I love church? That seems foreign. That seems forced. I mean, I visit church. I attend church. But you're asking me to love church? I mean, I... I'm just tolerating church. It's what Christians are supposed to do, so I'm here. Just take, take, it, take me where I'm at. Just don't expect any more. What I want to do today, and then we're going to take two weeks after today, I, I want to challenge you to come to this place in your journey where you can say with me, I love my church. Now, in order for that to happen, I need to tell you why you should not just like church or tolerate church, but I, I, I need to talk to you about why you should literally fall in love with church, hook, line, and sinker, head over heels. Why should you love church? Okay, so are you with me? I'm going to tell you why you should love church this morning. Three reasons you should love church this morning, and then we'll deal with some more in the coming weeks. I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read uh, three passages of scripture. I'm just going to read one now and then I'll come to another uh, couple sections I want to read to you. I just want to read to you out of Matthew chapter uh, 16 verse 18 and I want you to see what Jesus says about what we call church. This is a familiar passage of scripture. Um, Peter has not denied Jesus yet and Jesus is asking him who he says, who men say that he is. Peter has this revelation, said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So he has this moment of revelation. And this was Jesus' response. I want you to see what he says. He says, I tell you, Peter, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. So the first thing that I want to say to you this morning is you should love church because Jesus loves the church. Um, I want you to notice what the text says that I read to you out of Matthew. Uh, Jesus calls this thing, this, this flawed, diverse, difficult, beautiful, incomparable group of people that are called together. He says this about them. They are my church. My church. I want you to notice that what's taking place here is that that although we lay claim to uh, different bodies, some of you have been different, a, a part of different churches down throughout the year, and we lay claim to them, and we put bumper stickers on our cars, and we we put uh, T-shirts on, and we post on our Facebook that this is my church. And I, I, the truth is, 
is although we lay claim to the, the particular body that we attend, the truth is, is that the church is not ours. It's his. Jesus loved and still loves the church. In fact, church was his idea. I can't get no help in here. Uh, okay, there, there's this thing. There's this thing going around. It's kind of common. It's a. It's a narrative that is being uh, used right now in 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 our in our culture. Okay, and I just want to walk you through this. I've got something I want to read you on. Make sure I read it so I say it right. But but it's this concept of this narrative of I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Have you ever heard that? Did you know that you can go to bookstores right now and there are books lining the shelves about that narrative right there? It's this idea, it's become commonplace within the Christian culture of today that, that we can say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Um, I don't know who you follow on Facebook. Man, my Facebook is full of people who are constantly, they're not as succinct or eloquent as some of the other writers but in their way what they're telling you is i really love jesus i just hate the people that i that are that go to what we call church um you can find it all over facebook you can find it all over twitter um what what it is is it is a anti-church brand of christianity and for the most part not all, not all circles, but for the most part, it has become increasingly accepted as a viable option on the smorgasbord of living out your Christian faith that as long as you love Jesus, you're good. But if you really, come on now, I'm, I'm on I got to combat this because this, that, that is so foreign to the mind of Christ. Because if you really love Jesus, as if, if you, I'm not talking about a disciple, calling yourself a disciple but having no relationship with Jesus, calling yourself a disciple but it has no bearing on where you go and what you do because we've already dealt with that in the Game of Thrones. We're, in, we're all in. We're giving him the whole pie. That's the kind of relationship I'm describing here. If you're in a whole pie kind of relationship where he's got all of your life, then I would say to you, that if you're going to be in that kind of relationship, then you have also already come to the place, I hope, where you can say this, I love what Jesus loves, and I hate what Jesus hates. Because that's whole pie Christianity. All right? So if I love what Jesus loves, then this concept, this narrative of I love Jesus, but I hate the church, is not only anti-church, it's anti-Christ because Jesus loves the church. He does. He, he is madly, full-blown, head over heels, can't get over it, in love with the church. You know how I know that? Because he gave his life for the church. I can prove that to you out of Scripture. It's the other passages. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. So guard yourself, and he's talking to, uh, Paul's talking to, uh, or the writer of Acts is talking to the leaders that are going to be put in charge of church. And he says, so guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. So right there the writer says, he purchased the church. He gave his life 
for the church. I don't listen. I'm not giving my life for something I don't love. Okay, okay. Ephesians chapter five. I'm going to read it to you out of two passage, two versions. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-five. For husbands, we love this. We love this section because it tells husbands how to deal with wives, wives how to deal with. Okay, but we miss this part. For husbands, this this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. I want to read it a little further in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 28 in the message translation. It says this, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and designed is and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. See, according to Acts, and then again in Ephesians chapter 5, Jesus died for the church. And in fact, the writers begin to use this analogy that Jesus looks at the church as his bride. Don't miss this. Jesus sees the church. He sees us. As his bride. Okay, y'all missing it. Okay. So then, when we post on Facebook, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. You're talking about his bride. Okay, y'all missed it. So I'm, I'm just going to keep, keep digging this. When you talk bad about the church, you're talking about Jesus' girl. Okay, he's still not there. He's talking about you're you're talking about his boo okay i'm, I'm about to get there all right some of you start to, uh, uh, this one gonna th- some of y'all gonna look at me because i had to look up what it meant i had to make sure uh, you're talking about his bay okay all right some of y'all don't even know what bay means there's only two meanings i could find one is that we're so lazy in the english language anymore we can't add a by and say baby so we shorten it to bay because we just don't have enough time the other one means before uh Anyone else? Yeah, I always want to say everyone. Before anyone else. You're, you're literally talking about Jesus' bride. The apple of his eye. The one that deserved his life. We're talking about his wife. Okay, so think about that for a moment. Because those of you that are married or have been married or uh, will get married, you do understand that this is a package deal. Okay, I just want to make sure. See, see, see. If you, lo- if uh, everybody, I'm, no, I'm not going to say everybody loves me. Raise your hand. I don't want to do that because I'm. Then I'll need counseling. All right. If you, if you can say, Steve, I love you. Then it also means that you love Julie. Now, in the church I worked in before, they loved Julie first, and then they loved me. All right, and they made me very aware of that. All right, but if you love Steve. You also love Julie because Julie is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. You cannot separate us. So here's how this works. You can tell me all day long, I love you. I love you, Steve. You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're the best person I ever met in my life. You're, you're the top dog. We just love. But then you badmouth my wife. How many of you know at that juncture that you may say that you love me, but 
when I find out that you badmouthed my wife, how many of you recognize you won't love me for very long? Okay, just want to make sure we won't get us all on the same plane here. All right. So my question then is this. When we talk about the church negatively, okay, some of you have never done that, and you understand, but let me go one step further. Or you harbor hurt feelings towards the church. Or you make condemning or hurtful comments, then you are addressing those comments to the bride of our Savior. And so my question then is, do you suppose that Jesus is okay with that? Do you think maybe what he does is he says, okay, go ahead, fine, fire away. Just have at it. Whatever you say is probably true. She's a loser. I don't really like her that much anyway. Every husband I know, including the one sitting in here, if you talk about their wife negatively, they will cut you. I mean, I know they glow when they worship, and they like they all shouting and all, and they look all holy and they cleaned all up, but say something bad about their wife and let them hear it. They will cut you. Some of them are packing and they will do more than cut you if you talk. Uh, I know she like, like she's like weird and crazy and she gets on your last nerve and you're like, can't stand. But just go ahead and see how that goes. Then why then do we think that the one that Jesus died for and gave his life for, he would be okay with us feeling bad towards his bride. Besides, we're talking about something that we didn't create and we didn't die for. The church was his idea. So here, let me let you in on something. The style and the methods and the preference that we use in church are ours, but the concept and the idea and the forming of a body is his idea. It's his. It's his church. His church. The idea of a gathered ecclesia, which means a group of called out people, is always, has always, and will always be his alone. So Jesus loves the church, and he wants you to love the church too. No more, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. This is a package deal. It is not possible to love Jesus and hate his bride. Okay. The, the second reason that we should love the church is because the church is the way that the world sees Jesus. I just need to let you in, as, in on a secret that the church is literally Jesus' body manifested for people to see. I, I, I want to, we, we used to say it like this. We're, this man, we used to sing songs and there were videos. I can still remember them all. Uh, we're his hands and his feet. Okay, we, we said that so long that, that now we don't even think about it. So I want to say it another way because I wrote it this way on purpose and it sounds foreign, but because how many of you know you're never complete until Jesus comes into your life? You understand that? Okay, okay, okay. But now let me flip the script. 
Jesus is not complete without us. Okay, that's foreign because, but I think I can back it up scripturally because the Bible declares that Jesus is the head of the church. But what good is there having a head of the church if you've got no hands and feet and body to carry out what the head wants to accomplish? We literally complete the work of Jesus on earth. We are his chosen method and means to reach the world. We are, the the church is the greatest evangelistic tool ever designed by God to reach the world. The church, this one, I heard somebody say this about three years ago and I had to stop because I thought, well, they got it wrong, but I'm convinced they're right. The church is the hope of the world. And you say, well, no, Jesus is the hope of the world. Well, duh, how do you think they're going to get to Jesus without the church? Listen, when the church is present, darkness has to disappear. So the church is Jesus' preferred method of saving folks and serving folks. Are we all in agreement? He does that through the church. If people are going to see Jesus, then they're going to see Jesus because the church represents him, represents, represents him properly. So new churches have been proven to be the best means to reach new generations, the best means to reach new residents, and the best means to reach new people groups. Okay, so we know that the church is how people see Jesus, then should it concern us, and that's, a, that's one of those questions where I already know the answer, but I'm, I'm asking you to answer it for yourself and get on board here. If we recognize that the church is the means and the methods by which Jesus reaches people, then should it concern us that 70% of Americans have no meaningful church relationship? Should it bother us that 16, uh, only 16% of Americans attend church on a regular basis? Should it bother you that when you come to a church week after week and you see people missing, like for months, and you just go, hmm, they know where we are. So we either aren't representing him well or we are not doing our part to let people know about the church. Listen, we cannot convince folks to embrace what we do not love. How many of you, and I am going to ask you to raise your hands here, how many of you before you started attending Passion, I want you to be honest, how many of you before you began to start attending a Passion, attending Passion, Never in your life had ever been to Papa Angelo's. Raise your hand. Ever. Okay, look around. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you, since you started coming to Passion, have been to Papa Angelo's and have eaten their bacon pizza? Raise your or just eaten any pizza. All right. Uh, come, if you've ever started, if you're eating at Papa Angelo's ever, raise your hand. All right, let me clear. Okay, see the difference? 
You, you know why some of you are eating at Papa Angelo's now? Because I stood in this pulpit and ragged and talked and promoted and said it's the best pizza on the planet. Go try. Now you may not you may not share my opinion of the pizza now, but 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 you went to try it out because I embraced it and I pushed it. Right? Do you see? Do I even need to draw? Do I need to connect the dots? Come on now. People don't embrace things that we don't love. They embrace things that we love. All right? And so our love for the church, now here's where, where it gets, you understand this. I know you're mature enough to get this. Our love for the church, which is really our love for one another, because I'm not talking about a building set on 33rd and Council. This is just a building. Burn it down tomorrow, and we're still a church. Do we have to find a new place to meet? Yes. But we're still a church. It is our love for one another that is supposed to be contagious and attractive to those that are not part of the church. And so I want to say it this way. He is the way. But His way is the church. Do you get that? We cannot get to Jesus, but or get to the Father, but through Jesus. He is the only way. But His way to get people onto the way is church. Last but not least today, I love the church because I like being part of a winner. Now, I do need to preface this and say I know that some of us that are Dallas Cowboy fans, we don't even know what that feels like. Um, we only have distant memories of like Tom Landry and Emmett Smith and Tony Dorsett. About to have a church moment right here. And, all right. So we've forgotten. And, and, and those of us who are Thunder fans, we're probably going to forget for a little while. But, but uh, no, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. But. But I love the church because I know in the end, we win. See, there are days, I, I recognize this, especially in the culture that we live in right now. How many of you understand there are days when it feels like culture's winning? Regardless of what political party you're a part of, I don't really care. When people will, uh, when they will applaud when somebody says they had an abortion, And people will applaud when folks of color are, are abused and folks will applaud when police are abused. And there are days when it feels like the culture that we are in is winning. There are days when we don't live up to our potential when it feels like we're not winning there are days when we don't treat each other or those outside the church and outside the body properly that it doesn't feel like we're winning. When we allow apathy to stymie our influence, there are days it doesn't feel like we're winning. When we set on the, on the power that we should be utilizing, there are days it doesn't feel like we're winning. When we become distracted and dysfunctional, it doesn't feel like we're winning. But I wanted to tell you this morning that I love the church because the truth of the matter is, is even when all of that is taking place, the truth is, is we are going and we are winning. We win. When you attach yourself to the body of Christ, you are part of a winner. We cannot forget that truth because that truth impacts our outlook. 
That truth impacts our attitude. That truth right there that we win, it should impact and influence our behavior, how we live our lives. So maybe we need to go back, and I'm going to go old school, and then I'll try to go new school a little bit uh, and show you how old school I was and you didn't know it. Uh, uh, maybe we need to go back and think about some of the truths that we used to embrace. They were, they were encapsulated in our songs. Maybe we need to go back and sing the old song like, that goes like this. It says, once I drifted out in sin, I had no hope nor joy within. And my soul was burdened down with pride, with simple pride. Then my Savior came along and he showed me I was wrong. Now I know I'm on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. We've forgotten that. From the straight and narrow way, I was drifting every day. Out upon the waters deep and wide, so deep and wide. But it at all is over now. Glory light is on my brow and my soul is on the winning side. I will never have a fear for my Lord is ever near. And in him so often I confide, in him I confide. He's the keeper of my soul since I gave him full control. And he placed me on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord. I'm on the winning side. We've forgotten that truth. Let me go new school. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but we win. He comes to steal your victory. He comes to steal your joy, but we win. Satan roars like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. But I know the one who's greater. I know the one who has all the power. For Jehovah, our warrior, is fighting for us. We win. Now your body may be sick and you're hurting deep inside, but we win. Someone's words have left you wounded and there's tears in your eye, but we win. The accuser of the brethren tries to haunt you with your past, but I know who holds the future. He's the first and he's the last. For Jehovah, our warrior, is fighting for us. We win. He is my victory. He is my strength. He is my warrior. He is my defense. We win. We win. We win. In the name of Jesus over addiction and perversion. In the name of Jesus over fear and depression. In the name of Jesus over anxiety and rejection. In the name of Jesus bitterness and unforgiveness. In the name of Jesus over jealousy and envy. In the name of Jesus over gossip and backbiting. In the name of Jesus he is the king of glory. In the name of Jesus the Lord strong and mighty. In the name of Jesus Lord of hope breaking power in the name of Jesus trampled my enemies under his feet in the name of Jesus we win in the name of Jesus if God be for us who can be against us we have our victory in the name of Jesus strike down my enemies in the name of Jesus and yokes are destroyed in the name of Jesus shackles are, are loosed in the name of Jesus and prisoners are open prisons are opened in the name of Jesus and bondage is broken in the name of Jesus we have our victory in the name of Jesus in the name of of Jesus we win so it doesn't matter if it's old school doesn't matter if it's new school the truth of the matter is this it's been true it will always be true we win so on the day that the church doesn't live up to your hopes may I have you raise your hand on that one or on the day we don't seem to be as strong as we should be. Can I remind you that Jesus said it in the text that I read to you to start this whole thing off. That even the gates of hell would not be able to prevail 
against this thing that he gave his life for called the church. Culture can ridicule us and media can marginalize us. Prophets can prophesy our demise and they are. Generations can ignore us and apathy can try to stall us. But when the last bell rings and the decision is rendered, can I tell you that in the center of the ring, standing next to the champion who has been and always will be undefeated, when they raise Jesus' hands in the very end, how many of you know that if you read the end of the book, the book says that he's coming for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. And when they raise Jesus' hand, he's going to reach over and he's going to take the bride's hand and he's going to raise the hand. And together we celebrate the fact that we are winners. We win. That realization shouldn't cause a, that, 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 that realization, if we would ever in, embrace that, that should in, that should infuse us with more love. We ought to be dripping with love. Why? Because Jesus loved us enough to give his life for us. That, that truth should cause us to increase our effort. Why? Because I'm working for something that he loves and that I love. I don't serve around here because I get paid. Because there were days I didn't. We, we, don't, we don't get up early and stay late and staff doesn't do all that they do and volunteers don't do all they do. People don't come and keep your kids in nurse. I mean, kids, church. Just because they got nothing else to do. They do it because they love the church. And if you love the church, it should increase your level of commitment and effort. If you love the church, it should increase your level of obedience. If you love the church, it should increase your willingness to sell out to the one who said, I will give my life for this thing. That's my boo. That, 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 they just, they just do it for me. They push my buttons. They, they, uh, they float my boat. They, when Jesus looks at us as the church, he looks at us and he can't look away. He loves us. And so this morning, what I think we need to do as we start this, and we're asking you to wear your shirts that you're getting for free, everybody that was in the sanctuary. I think the thing that we ought to do is we ought to pray and ask Jesus to love the church more. Because all of us, we're all at different levels of love when it comes to the church, but all of us could stand to love the church more. Because if I love the church, what I'm really doing is I'm loving Jesus too because I'm, they're, they're part and parcel. They're connected. They're flesh of flesh, bone of bone. 
so that's how I want us to pray this morning. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to ask you to do something we don't do a whole lot because it gets somewhat crowded, but I want to ask everyone that will, would you just step out, everybody that can physically, and just come and fill in here all together. We're, we're in this together. Keith, will you help me for a second? Squeeze in so everybody can get in as much as possible. While you're coming, let me just say some things and I'll move, it, move out in, into what we're going to do. But you know, if you love the church, that means you can't harbor grudges. You can't avoid each other in the hall. You can't duck like four aisles over on Walmart hoping you don't have to run into one another. Now, I know that happens because I did this that this week. I saw one of you. I'm not going to tell you who it was, and I just went, I'm playing. I didn't do that. I'm just joking. I'm literally joking. <laughs> but I've seen it happen. Decades go by. People that attend the same church won't speak to one another. We're not doing that here. In Jesus' name, we're not doing that here. Look around you. You know who you're looking at? Jesus' girl. The bride. Say, yeah, but the person I'm standing to, I don't like them very much. Don't matter. Doesn't matter. We're in this together. Take the hand of the person next to you this morning. Let's make a commitment to each other as we pray that we'll love God's family at a higher level. Father, this morning, my prayer is very simple. I'm asking you to increase our love for your church. God, I know under the sound of my voice, those in the sanctuary and those online, there are individuals that have suffered injustice, that have been done wrong, that have been lied about, mistreated, misused by this thing we call church. But Father, this morning I'm praying that we would recognize that as flawed as the church may be and as much pain as we may have experienced inside the church, that we can't love you the way that we should if we don't love your bride as well. And so God, I'm praying that inside this group that we call passion, it's just one manifestation of your body. It's not everything. It's your kingdom is broad and it's wide. But inside this particular body, the manifestation of your body, your bride in this location, I pray that we would strive to love one another at greater levels and that we would push past all the dirt and all the flaws and all the dysfunction and all the things that we don't like. And even when pain is inflicted, intentional or not, I pray that we would remember that you've called us to love the bride. And Father, we would stay committed and we would stay involved and we would love. We wouldn't just like. We wouldn't just tolerate. We wouldn't just attend. But instead, we would increase our levels of love for your body, for one another. We would fall in love with one another, understanding that we complete one another. We literally complete, not only you, we complete one another. We're a body. 
we can't function right without one another. So, Father, this, this morning I conclude my prayer by simply asking you to do this. I pray that for the, for the one or the two or the five or the 15 or the 20 that really struggle, if I was to ask them to say, to repeat after me, I love my church. I pray this morning that you would break that barrier down and that wall down and they would recognize that this is a package deal that Jesus you gave your very life for church for the church and I pray that our level of love would increase and our level of love would increase to a degree that it's so our, our love is so high for you that it bleeds over on those around us God I pray that you would change our hearts and help us to love what you love so that we can say and really mean it not like we love pizza but we could honestly say I love my church I pray that you would accomplish that in Jesus name and for his glory to make the sacrifice that he made worth it I pray in Jesus name this is how I want us to end I want you to find four or five people before Pastor Woody comes to close us. And we've got a bunch going on that we need to tell you about. But, but before you go back to your seats, I want you to take a moment and I want you to find two or three people and I want you to say, you know what? I love my church because I love you. And give them a big hug and let them know that you appreciate the fact that you're part of their family. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.